We all want to have and claim those precious promises, but what about the being conformed to his image? Well, what about that part? Because that's what we're supposed to be and transform. What about those hard spots in life that are supposed to be doing just that? When we run into those bumps and those walls and those big mountains and hills that we have to climb because we're supposed to be doing just that, that helps us strengthen those spiritual muscles when we get there. Being conformed to the image of our King happens through a season of suffering. We all want to claim the precious promises of God, but do we want to be conformed to His image? In today's message from Pastor Mark, he teaches you that being conformed to the image of God comes through seasons of suffering. Christ had to endure hardship, and so will anyone who claims His name. When you go through seasons of suffering and trial, remember that God uses these times to transform you to look more like Him. God uses the mountains you have to climb and the walls you run into and transforms them for your good and His glory. He can use these hard seasons to grow and strengthen you spiritually. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in 2 Samuel chapter 19 for today's edition of Come Alive. Verse 24, 2 Samuel chapter 19 says, Now Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day that he had returned in peace. And so it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said to him, why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? If you remember Mephibosheth, he was the son of Jonathan and the last surviving heir to the dynasty of Saul. And if you remember the story, his, his maidservant or his nanny, so to speak, picked him up when David had taken over as king and she was afraid because usually what would happen when the king would come in, the new king would come in and wipe out the old king's whole household just to make sure there's no, no one trying to grab the throne or trying to take power. So the nanny takes off running with this little baby and, and drops him and, or falls on him and breaks his feet. And so he's lame. He can't walk. And that's told in Second Samuel 9. So it, t- it told of how David showed unique kindness to Mephibosheth once he comes in to being the king. He says, is there anyone in the household of Saul? And and there, yeah, yeah, there's this guy named Mephibosheth. And Ziba, if you remember him, the, the liar, he says, yeah, here he is. And so he gives Phibosheth a place at the table, David does, and, and does all this nice stuff for him. And so we find out in Second Samuel 9 that Mephibosheth came from a place called Lodabar oh, when David came in to town. And so when you think about that, that word Lodabar, it means either a couple of things. It means nothing or the root means without pasture. So if, you know, without pasture, that means it's barren land. So you're from a place basically nowhere. So it means nothing or nowhere or without pasture. And so at this point, it has been about nine months. They say between nine months and two years that David had left. And now he returns. And the thing that catches me and makes me laugh is the fact that this dude, it says 
the son of Saul came down to meet the king. He's not the son of Saul. He's actually the grandson, but they, they use that. And he had not cared for his feet nor trimmed his. So he had long toenails. I mean, if you needed your grass clipped, you could call him over to your house if he could walk. And he would run around your front yard and trim it up just fine. They didn't have lawnmowers, but they had a Mephibosheth. And so he could probably sit in a chair with wheels and just swing his feet back and forth and trim your yard. So he, he didn't take care of his feet, so he's probably filthy. He didn't trim his mustache or his beard or washed his clothes. So he comes in smelling pretty ripe. I mean, when we get to see him again right now in verse 24. And then so it's been a pretty good amount of time for nine months. Imagine, you know, that would probably be my son's greatest thing not to have to take a bath for nine months. And, you know, I remember being a kid, I hated having to take baths or showers and then you couldn't get, you know, it's funny because once you get them in, you can't get them out. You know, now all of a sudden it's a, it's a submarine battle going on. I've got one more war to fight. And it's like, dude, you got to come out of there. You know, now you're wrinkled. So the water's black and you're dirty. So get out. But so Mephibosheth, he didn't bathe. He, and this was a time for that amount of time Mephibosheth has been in mourning. And that's what happens is back in that day, that's how you would mourn whether the loss of a loved one or you mourned over a sin, they would spend that time that they would spend taking care of themselves or grooming themselves. They'd spend that time with God and hanging out with God, fasting and seeking God and his comfort, his guidance and his direction. So he doesn't take care of himself. He's, he's pretty filthy when he shows up here again. And so ever since David had left Mephibosheth, he's been in that posture seeking the Lord. And, and today, you know, we have communion and hopefully that's our posture on a daily basis that, you know what, we're willing to sacrifice something now. You know, hopefully you're, you're bathing and you're doing what you need to do so people can sit next to you. But hopefully your posture is correct. Your posture needs to be that of seeking the Lord on a daily basis. So again, for that entire time, that's what Mephibosheth had been doing instead of these other things. He says, I'm not going to take out any time to take care of me. I'm going to deny myself and I'm going to seek out God and pray for God and pray to God. And so he didn't do any kind of grooming. So David wonders why Mephibosheth, he asks the question in verse 25, hey, bro, why didn't you come with me? What, what was up with that? Look at verse 26. And he answered, my Lord, O king, my servant deceived me. For your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he has slandered your servant to my Lord the king. But my Lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do what is good in your eyes. And so here we see Mephibosheth is like, man, whatever you think is best. I wonder if he really thought, because it doesn't say, but it would say whatever is good in your eyes. I mean, whether it be punishment, putting him in prison as a lame guy, or, or even killing him, Mephibosheth is like, man, whatever, whatever, David, whatever you think is best. Look at verse 28. For all my father's house were dead men before my lord, the king. Yet you set your servant among those who eat at your own table. Therefore, what right have I to still cry out any more to the king? Verse 29. So the king said to him, why do you speak any more of your matters? I have said, you and Ziba divide the land. And then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord, the king, has come back in peace in his own house. Remember, there was a covenant between Jonathan and David, a promise that is being kept. And, you know, we can learn a lot from this. Is like when we keep a promise or when we make a promise, we need to keep a promise. We need to make sure that we stick to our word. When we say yes, let it be yes. We don't have to say I promise you or I swear or swear on my... The other day I was watching some show and, 
and they were arresting some guy, and he goes, man, I, I swear on my grandmother's grave. You know, and it's like every time you see that on, like, Alaska State Troopers or cops or something, you know, they, I swear there's no drugs in the car. I swear on my grandmother's grave, you know. And then they find all the drugs, and you're just like, well, what good does that do? I mean, what does it do when you swear on your grandmother's grave? I mean, what good is it? You're, you're, it should be a yes or a no. That's all they ask is a simple question, not do you promise and they don't break out a Bible. And do you swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth as we search your car and swear my grandmother's grave? But yet David, he finally hears the other side of the story from Mephibosheth. He finally hears the other side of the story. And Ziba, if you remember, had lied about Mephibosheth wanting to, to be the next king, waiting for David to leave power and leave Jerusalem and, and for himself to come into power to be the next king. And Ziba tells David that. So he takes all these donkeys and he gives them to a gift to David all this bread and all this wine. He's like, hey, here's this wonderful gift. And, and, and it makes it look like that Mephibosheth is really a turncoat. But now David says, you guys just split it up. In verse 30, if you look at that, he says, then Mephibosheth said, king, rather let him take it all. You know, it's kind of like, here's Mephibosheth. He could say, man, you know, half? Why just half? I mean, it was mine. You've given me all of it, including Ziba and his servants. And yet you're only giving me half. I mean, you take it away from me and you give it to him. And now you hear the other side of the story and you're, you're telling me to split it up. And so we live in a time when we're after all kinds of things. And we want all kinds of stuff. And, and here's the thing we have to understand. We're all the king's kids, right? All of us. We're all children of the king. And I often see and hear about how people are wronged or ripped off or treated poorly, whether by a friend or by a spouse, a boss, a, a server or a client, whatever. And then you, you hear about how they were inconvenienced because this other person has done something so wrong. And then you find out that that Christian just wants their voice to be heard. I want to complain. Where's your manager? Who do I write a letter to? I'll never do this again. You know, and, and, and we want to complain. But Mephibosheth, he could have said all of that stuff. I've been wronged. Who, David, who do I take my complaint to? Or, you know, hey, as a king, you owe me this, and you need to do this. And there were certain rules set in place. And, but he doesn't say that. He doesn't say half. What do you mean half? He doesn't say, you know, this guy lied, and he tricked you, and I want him punished. And he had a right to ask for all that stuff. He, he never said, I want, I want Mephibosheth to realize, I mean, I want Ziba to realize his mistake. But instead, what does he say? Verse 30, he says, I want none of it. I don't want it. I'm just happy having you, king, having you back. We see in the earlier verses that he was like, man, you know, whatever you see best to do to me, whatever you think best is, man, that's, you're the king. Whatever you see best. And I think we as Christians can learn an important lesson from this. Is can we really say, Lord, whatever you think is best for me? Or is it, Lord, please, I really would like to have that fill in the blank. I really need to have that because if I have that, then I could do this. And if I had that, I could do that. And I could actually bless so-and-so. And God's like, really? I don't need you to bless so-and-so unless I tell you to do so. But yet we always come out, yeah, I could really bless that dude. I could feed like the neighborhood. If you just give me a grocery store, it'd be awesome. I'd let people come in every Friday for free and shop. And then Fridays show up and you're like, well, you know, it's, it, I really didn't think that through because it cost me a lot more. And so maybe just for about 
14 seconds. Whoever gets in here, can whatever they can grab in 14 seconds, they can have for free. And you move all your stuff to the back of the store, and they get about halfway. Oh, time's up, guys. Sorry. But uh, you got free air conditioning today. I won't charge you for that. The Lord doesn't need us to bless anyone. He uses us in that manner. He might bless you with something and, and put it upon your heart to bless somebody else later on down the road. But Mephibosheth, when you look at it, he says, I don't want none of that. I'm happy having you and what you provide for me. And so when I came to you, I came from low to bar, nothing, place without pasture. When I came to you, I came from nothing, and you've given me a place at your table. You think about what Mephibosheth is a type of or what he could represent. Well, he's a type of redeemed sinner. Think about it. When David became king, he was hiding from him thinking that the king would have him judged and killed in Lodabar, in a place of nothing. He had nothing. Yet he was exalted because of the merits of another, his dad Jonathan, because of a covenant that was made with his dad Jonathan. And and he is told all will be restored to him. Sound familiar? Everything will be restored to him. In 2 Samuel 9, 9, he is given a glorious inheritance while the king was absent. Mephibosheth lived a life of self-denial all the way down to his toenails. He didn't trim his feet, clean his feet, or trim his toenails. He was subject to persecution and slander by Ziba. You and I are subject to slander and persecution by others who, when you tell them you're a Christian or you start to really, you can say you're a Christian and most people are like, yeah, I'm a, yeah, that's cool, so am I. But they don't live like one. And you really start to live like the Bible tells you to live, denying yourself certain things and, and freedoms, unlike the world. And and then they start asking, well, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're on the other side. And they start telling other people, like, oh, this guy, man, he's gone off the deep end. I mean, he goes to church on Sunday. And he sings songs that, well, they're not on the buzz or any of the other cool stations. And he actually reads his Bible. I mean, it's just not in the dashboard. He actually picks it up and reads it. And then puts it back in the dashboard. There's nothing wrong with keeping it there, if that's a good place to keep it, as long as you use it. And so Ziba, he's the slanderer of this guy, Mephibosheth. And so he rejoices at the return of the Lord and King, Mephibosheth does. I think he was looking forward to it the whole time. I can't wait for the king. One day the king is going to return. He's going to win. He's going to come back. He's going to rescue me. And we as Christians, don't we do that? Don't we do that? We should be caring and we should take his example and care little about the material things and start looking towards that second coming. Living in exile from the king, he was remembered because of a covenant. David and Jonathan had made a covenant. If you're taking notes in 1 Samuel 20, you can look at that covenant. See, you and I are going to be wronged, and we're going to be rubbed the wrong way, and we're going to rise up, and we're going to say, is that fair? That's not fair. Is that fair the way you're treating me, or is it fair? I mean, when you really think about it, is it, is it really fair? Is, see, we had nothing before, really nothing before. And you see, all we want to do is enjoy the power of the resurrection, but none of us want to find themselves in the fellowship of suffering. We all want the power of resurrection. Oh, yeah, and we want like those verses that talk about abundance and doing all this. But do you know every time I read those verses in context, there's something that we must do? There was a verse I was reading the other day, and somebody had quoted it, and I went to look it up, and it talked about, standing before kings, and it talked about kind of like working and stuff. 
And this guy was referring to it in this little business meeting as standing before kings. And, you know, if you're here, you're going to stand before kings. And that could mean management, you know. And so he took some Bible verses and kind of flipped them around to say what he wanted them to say. And yeah, I kind of understood it was a business meeting. It was a motivational speaker. Yeah, but in context, as I looked it up on my, in my Bible, well, one of the people sitting next to me was like, what are you doing? This isn't church. I was like, I'm looking up this verse. And I said, oh, look here. That guy forgot to mention how hard it's going to be. He made it sound like it was real easy. Of course it's easy when I go to each of you and go, look, each of you need to pay $100 so I can talk to you and tell you this stuff that this guy just yanked out of a Bible. His whole song and dance was from Scripture. He just didn't say it was from Scripture. And everybody's sitting there going, oh, yeah, that's good. I'm going to write that quote down. And I remember, I was like, where did I hear that before? Proverbs, Proverbs. And I started looking it up. And I was like, it's amazing what you can do with Google. You just type in a bunch of people's quotes, and they sound all original. And it's like, man, most of them came from Bible Gateway. You know, that was the first thing that popped up. I was like, wow, this guy's original. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And he's trying to sell us this $125, we're going to make you better salespeople. We're going to make you better businessmen. We're going to make you better... I was like, man, God does all that for free. He doesn't charge me. He just asks for my life. And you might say, well, that's a big price to pay. It is. It's a huge price, but it's all about you and it's all for you. So you can exalt and glorify him. And so, again, we're going to be rubbed the wrong way. We had nothing before, and we all want to have that power of the resurrection, but nobody wants the fellowship of his suffering. Paul talks about that. Philippians 3.10, if you turn there real quick. Look at Philippians 3.10. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. And now we could read that and say, man, that's a powerful verse. If we stopped at that, I may know him and the power of his resurrection. If we just stop there, but we leave out the fellowship of suffering. We all want to have and claim those precious promises. But what about the being conformed to his image? Well, what about that part? Because that's what we're supposed to be and transform. What about those hard spots in life that are supposed to be doing just that? When we run into those bumps and those walls and those big mountains and hills that we have to climb because we're supposed to be doing just that, that helps us strengthen those spiritual muscles when we get there. Being conformed to the image of our king happens through a season of suffering. And so suffering means you're going to be wrong. It may mean that you're going to be cheated. It may mean that Somebody's going to say mean things to you. Mephibosheth and Ziba were uh, of the same household. Uh, they, were, they lived in the same palace, so to speak, together. Yet lawsuits between Christians and lawsuits between family happens all the time. I was amazed when I saw that. And just whatever they want, he says, Mephibosheth, just whatever Ziba wants, let him have it. Man, I got you, king. Can we say that? Hey, man, whatever these people want, man, just, you know what, take it. Now, there's a part of that where it says, don't be crazy with it. But if somebody's coming after you and they really want it, what's Jesus say? If you're giving your coat or give them your sandals, and if he wants to only go one mile, walk two miles. Tell him to go on a second mile. Give it to him. If they punch you in the face, if they hurt you physically, turn the other cheek and let them do it again. Now, that doesn't mean literally take physical punches, but it just means, hey, you love your enemy. Whatever they want, whatever he wants, let him have it, David. I don't care. I got you. You're, you're Jesus. You'll guide and you'll direct me. Now, there are those times where sometimes God may say, no, 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 you don't have to give that up. You might need to stand and fight for what belongs to you and what is right. But, but it needs to exalt and glorify me. Now, if you just want it for you, just so you can hoard it, and we read in the 
Gospels about a man who built barns to keep all his stuff. And what happens to him in the end? He gets toasted. God's not pleased with him because he hoarded all this stuff, didn't exalt God, did it all for himself. And you might say, well, Pastor Mark, I worked hard for it. I worked really hard for it. Well, it isn't yours anyway. When you think about it, it isn't yours anyway. It's all from God. Because if you say, I worked really hard for it, and I'm trying to save it, and I want it, and I need it, and I want to hold on to it, then Jesus really isn't enough. Sometimes people have that philosophy of it's Jesus and my stuff. Jesus and more of. We should be working, yeah. We need to work. We need to do the right things, but we also need to be able to say, hey, you know what, who, who do I have enough? Or am I building my barns larger? Mephibosheth said it right. He, he was stoked just to have his king back. He was good enough. I mean, Jesus, for us as Christians, we can say the same thing. We should be happy just to have our king. Nothing wrong with stuff. Nothing wrong with having nice stuff. But are you hoarding it? Is that your idol? Is that your God? Is that what you're after? If somebody crashed it or scratched it or tore it up, or would you sue them if it was another Christian? What would you do? Look at verse 31. Verse 31 says, In Barzillai, that's not a giant monster that goes around wrecking Tokyo or anything. Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim, and he went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, 80 years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed in Mahanim, for he was a very rich man. And the king said to Barzillai, come across with me and I will provide you for you while you're with me in Jerusalem. But Barzillai said to the king, how long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servant taste what to eat or what I drink? Can I hear any longer the voice of singing men and singing women? Why then should your servant be a further burden to my lord the king? Your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king, and why should the king repay me with such a reward? Please let your servant turn back again, that I may die in my own city near the grave of my father and my mother. But here is your servant, Chimham. Let him cross over with my lord the king and do for him what seems good to you. And the king answered, Chimham shall cross over with me, and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now whatever you request of me, I will do for you. And then all the people went over the Jordan, and the king had crossed over. The king had kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned to his own place. Now here we see this guy who, unlike Mephibosheth, is not so content as he is comfortable. When you think about it, he's not as content as he is comfortable. I mean, he's, it tells us he's rich, he's wealthy, he's got everything a guy could want. So we see on one hand a guy who says, man, I just need Jesus. And we see on the other hand this guy who's very, very comfortable. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. 
We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, we'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.